Hello. How's it going? Hello, wonderful people. I'm Sam. I'm back. And I'm ready to start on the next chapter of Harry Potter Out Loud. We're doing Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone right now. And hopefully, you should be able to hear me much better than last stream. But I just want you to focus on this, focus on the sound of my voice and focus on the, uh, the look of my face, too. Um... I'm doing some things with green screening and doing some the fancy schmancy new microphone I got. It's called a blue snowball. Um, but without further ado, y'all came here for one reason and one reason alone, and that is to not watch the Super Bowl tonight. I'm mostly joking, but that's why I'm here. Um, and uh, I'd like to start. We're going to... Uh, keep an eye on chat, and so if you've got anything you want to talk about, please feel free. Um, I'll answer any questions, talk about characters, talk about the story. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be a good time. And I just want to say thank you very much for joining me. Today we are starting on Chapter 4. Chapter 4, The Keeper of the Keys. One thing I want to do first is to do a quick summary of what happened in the last uh, few chapters. Um, it was the start of the book. So what we saw during the last stream was um, Harry Potter's life, basically. What Harry Potter's life has been like since he was dropped off at the Dursleys' house. Um, for anyone really unfamiliar, uh, the Dursleys are the family that Harry Potter's been staying with. Mrs. Dursley is... Uh, Harry's mother's sister, but Harry Potter's parents were killed in a in a sort of mysterious event, and so he's been living with this family. For anybody who's lived in the world, you might understand that Harry Potter is in fact a very special boy. We haven't heard much about that yet, but we're going to be finding out a lot about that in this coming chapter, chapter four. Uh, but Harry's been getting mysterious letters because his birthday is coming up. He hasn't been allowed to read them. Because the Dursley family, his uncle and his aunt, they've taken him out to a, uh, a little hut in the middle of the sea. In a pretty quiet night, Harry's been watching the clock tick as it approaches his birthday. When it hits midnight on the day of his birthday, there's a boom on the door. And that is where we're going to start. Chapter 4, The Keeper of the Keys. Whoever was outside knocked again. Dudley jerked awake. Where's the cannon? He said stupidly. There was a crash behind them, and Uncle Vernon came skidding into the room. He was holding a rifle in his hands. Now they knew what had been in that long, thin package he had brought with them. Who's there? he shouted. I warn you, I'm armed. There was a pause. Then, <laughs> the door was hit with such a force that it swung clean off its hinges and with a deafening crash landed flat on the floor. A giant of a man was standing in the doorway. His face was almost completely hidden behind a long shaggy mane of hair and a wild tangled beard, but you could make out his eyes. Glinting like back, 
glinting like black beetles under all that hair. The giant squeezed his way into the hut, stooping so that his head just brushed the ceiling. He bent down, picked up the door, and fitted it easily back into its frame. The noise of the storm outside dropped a little. He turned to look at them all. Couldn't make us a cup of tea, could you? It's not been an easy journey. He strode over to the sofa, where Dudley sat frozen with fear. Budge up, you great lump, said the stranger. Dudley squeaked and ran to hide behind his mother, who was crouching, terrified, behind Uncle Vernon. And there's Harry, said the giant. Harry looked up into the fierce, wild, shadowy face and saw that the beetle eyes were crinkled in a smile. Last time I saw you, you were only a baby, said the giant. You look a lot like your dad, but you got your mum's eyes. Uncle Vernon made a funny, rasping noise. I demand that you leave at once, sir, he said. You are breaking and entering. Ah, shut up, Dursley, you great prune, said the giant. He reached over the back of the sofa, jerked the gun out of Uncle Vernon's hands, bent it into a knot as easily as if it had been made of rubber, and threw it into the corner of the room. Uncle Vernon made another funny noise, like a mouse being trodden on. Anyway, Harry, said the giant, turning his back on the Dursleys. A very happy birthday to you. I got something for you, right here. I uh, might have sat on it at some point, but it'll taste all right. From an inside pocket of his black overcoat, he pulled a slightly squashed box. Harry opened it with trembling fingers. Inside was a large, sticky chocolate cake with Happy Birthday Harry written on it in green icing. Harry looked up at the giant. He meant to say thank you, but the words got lost on the way to his mouth, and what he said instead was, Who are you? The giant chuckled. True, I haven't introduced myself. Rubius Hagrid, keeper of the keys and grounds at Hogwarts. He held out an enormous hand and shook Harry's whole arm. What about that tea then, eh? He said, rubbing his hands together. I'd uh, not say no to some it stronger if you got it, mind. His eyes fell on the em- his eyes fell on the empty grate with the shriveled chip bags in it, and he snorted. He bent down over the fireplace. They couldn't see what he was doing, but when he drew back a second later, there was a roaring fire there. It filled the whole damp hut with flickering light, and Harry felt the warmth wash over him as though he'd sunk into a hot bath. And jump to chat. How are things looking? It's very zoomed in on my face. It was. Hopefully that's fixed now. Hey, you should be able to see this nice little, uh, nice little moment we've got together here. Between the, the Dursleys and this giant stranger who's entered the hut, Hagrid. All right, back into it. The giant sank back down onto the sofa, which sagged under his weight and began taking all sorts of things out of the pockets of his coat. A copper kettle a squashy package of sausages, a poker, a teapot, several chipped mugs, and a bottle of some amber liquid he took a swig from before starting to make tea. Soon the hut was full of the sound and smell of sizzling sausages. Nobody said a thing while the giant was working, but as he slid the first six fat, juicy, slightly burnt sausages from the poker, Dudley fidgeted a little. Uncle Vernon said sharply, 
Don't touch anything he gives you, Dudley. The giant chuckled darkly. Your great puddin' of a son don't need fattening any more, Dursley. Don't worry. He passed the sausages to Harry, who was so hungry he had never tasted anything so wonderful. But he still couldn't take his eyes off the giant. Finally, as nobody seemed to be about to explain anything, he said, I'm sorry, I still really don't know who you are. The giant took a gulp of tea and wiped his mouth with the back of his hand. Call me Hagrid, he said. Everyone does. And just like I told you, I'm the keeper of the keys at Hogwarts. You'll know all about Hogwarts, of course. Um, no, said Harry. Hagrid looked shocked. Sorry, Hagrid, Harry said quickly. Sorry, barked Hagrid, turning to stare at the Dursleys who shrank back into the shadows. It's them as should be sorry. If I... I knew you weren't getting your letters. But I never thought you wouldn't be in... But I never thought you wouldn't even know about Hogwarts. For crying out loud, did you never wonder where your parents learnt it all? All what? asked Harry. All what? Hagrid thundered. Now just wait one second. He had leapt to his feet. In his anger, he seemed to fill the whole hut. The Dursleys were cowering against the wall. You mean to tell me, he growled at the Dursleys, that this boy, this boy, knows nothing about, about anything? Hag Harry thought this was going a bit far. He had been to school, after all, and his marks weren't bad. I know some things, he said. I can, you know, do math and stuff. But Hagrid simply waved his hand and said, About our world, I mean. Your world. My world. Your, your parents' world. What world? Hagrid looked as though he was about to explode. Dursley! He boomed. Uncle Vernon, who had gone very pale, whispered something that sounded like mimble-wimble. Hagrid stared wildly at Harry. But you must know about your mum and dad, he said. I mean, they're famous. You're famous. What? My my mum and dad weren't famous, were they? You don't know. You, you don't know? I, I... Hagrid ran his fingers through his hair, fixing Harry with a bewildered stare. You don't know what you are, he said finally. Uncle Vernon suddenly found his voice. Stop, he commanded. Stop right there, sir. I forbid you to tell the boy anything. A braver man than Vernon Dursley would have quailed under the furious look Hagrid now gave him. When Hagrid spoke, his every syllable trembled with rage. You never told him. Never told him what was in the letter Dumbledore left for him. I was there. I saw Dumbledore leave it, Dursley. And you've kept it from him for all these years. Kept, kept what from me? Said Harry eagerly. Stop! I forbid you! Yelled Uncle Vernon in a panic. Aunt Petunia gave a gasp of horror. Ah, go boil your heads, both of you, said Haggard. Harry! You're a wizard! There was a silence inside the hut. 
Only the sea and the whistling wind could be heard. I'm a... a what? gasped Harry. A wizard, of course, said Hagrid, sitting back down on the sofa, which groaned and sank even lower. And a thumping good un, I'd say. Once you've been trained up a bit. With a mum and dad like yours, what else would you be? I reckon it's about time you read your letter. Harry stretched out his hands at last to take the yellowish envelope, addressed in emerald green, to Mr. H. Potter, the floor, hut on the rock, the sea. He pulled out the letter and read, Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Headmaster, Albus Dumbledore. Order of Merlin, First Class, Grand Sorcerer, Chief Warlock, Supreme Mugwump, International Confederation of Wizards. Dear Mr. Potter, We are pleased to inform you that you have been accepted at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Please find enclosed a list of all necessary books and equipment. Term begins on September 1st. We await your owl by no later than July 31st. Yours sincerely, Minerva McGonagall, Deputy Headmistress. Questions exploded inside Harry's head like fireworks, and he couldn't decide which to ask first. After a few minutes, he stammered, What does it mean, they await my owl? Galloping Gorgons, that reminds me, said Hagrid, clapping a hand to his forehead with enough force to knock over a cart horse, and from yet another pocket inside his overcoat, he pulled an owl. A real, live, rather ruffled-looking owl. Uh, a long quill and a roll of parchment. With his tongue between his teeth, he scribbled a note that Harry could read upside down. Dear Professor Dumbledore, given Harry his letter. Taking him to buy his things tomorrow. Weather's horrible. Hope you're well. Hagrid. Hagrid rolled up the note, gave it to the owl, which clamped it in its beak, went to the door, and threw the owl out into the storm. Then he came back and sat down as though this was a normal thing, as normal as talking on the telephone. Harry realized his mouth was open and closed it quickly. Uh, where was I? said Hagrid. But at that moment, Uncle Vernon, still ashen-faced but looking very angry, moved into the firelight. He's not going, he said. Hagrid grunted. <laughs> I'd like to see a great muggle like you stop him, he said. A what? said Harry, interested. A muggle, said Hagrid. That's what we call non-magic folk like them. And it's your bad luck you grew up in a family of the biggest muggles I ever laid eyes on. We swore when we took him in we'd put a stop to that rubbish, said Uncle Vernon. Swore that we'd stamp it out of him. Wizard indeed. You knew? said Harry. You knew I'm a, a wizard? Knew? shrieked Aunt Petunia suddenly. Knew? Of course we knew. How could you not be, my dratted sister being what she was? Oh, she got a letter just like that and disappeared after that... that school. And came home every vacation with the pockets full of frog spawn turning teacups into rats. I was the only one who saw her for what she was. A freak. But for my mother and father, oh no, it was Lily this and Lily that. They were proud of having a witch in the family. She stopped to draw a deep breath, and then went ranting on. It seemed she had been wanting to say all this for years. 
Then she met that Potter at school, and they left and got married, and you... But of course I knew you'd be just the same, just as strange, just as abnormal. And then, if you please, she went and got herself blown up, and we got landed with you. Harry had gone very white. As soon as he found his voice, he said, Blown up? You tell me they died in a car crash. Car crash? roared Hagrid, jumping up so angrily that the Dursleys scuttled back into their corner. Oh, good a car crash killed Lillian James Potter. It's an outrage, a scandal. Harry Potter not knowing his own story when every kid in our world knows his name. But why? What happened? Harry asked urgently. The anger faded from Hagrid's face. He looked suddenly anxious. I never expected this, he said in a low, worried voice. I had no idea when Dumbledore told me there might be trouble getting hold of you. No idea how much he didn't know. Uh, Harry, I don't know if I'm the right person to tell you. But someone's gotta. You can't go off to Hogwarts not knowing. He threw a dirty look at the Dursleys. Well, it's best you know as much as I can tell you. Mind, I, I can't tell you everything. It's a great mystery, parts of it. He sat down, stared into the fireplace for a few seconds, and then said, It begins, I suppose, with a person called... But it, It's incredible you don't know his name. Everyone in our world knows. I... Who? Well, I don't like saying the name if I can help it. No one does. Why not? Goatman gargoyles, Harry. People are still scared. Blimey, this is difficult. Uh, see, there was this wizard who went bad. As bad as you could go. Worse. Worse than worse. His name was... Hagrid gulped, but no words came out. Could you write it down? Harry suggested. Ah, can't spell it. All right. Voldemort. Hagrid shuddered. Don't make me say it again. Anyway, this... This wizard... About twenty years ago now... Started looking for followers. Got him too. Some were afraid, some just wanted a bit of his power. Because he was getting himself power all right. Dark days, Harry. Didn't know who to trust. Didn't dare get friendly with strange witches or wizards. Terrible things happened. He was taken over. Of course, some stood up to him. And he killed them. Horribly. One of the only safe places left was at Hogwarts. Reckon Dumbledore's the only one you know who was afraid of. Didn't dare try taking the school. Not just then, anyway. Now, your mum and dad were as good a witch and wizard as I ever knew. Head boy and girl at Hogwarts in their day. Suppose the mystery is why you-know-who never tried to get him on his side before. Probably knew they were too close to Dumbledore. Didn't want anything to do with the dark side. Maybe he thought he could persuade him. Maybe he just wanted him out of the way. All anyone knows is, he turned up in the village where you all was living, on Halloween ten years ago. He was just a year old. He uh, came to your house, 
and and Hagrid suddenly pulled out a very dirty spotted handkerchief and blew his nose with a sound like a foghorn. Sorry, he said, but it's that sad. Knew your mum and dad and nicer people you couldn't find anywhere. Anyway, you know who killed him. And then, and this is the real mystery of the thing, he tried to kill you too. Wanted to make a clean job of it, I suppose. Or maybe he just liked killing by then. But he couldn't do it. Ever wondered why you got that mark on your forehead? That was no ordinary cut. That's what you get when a powerful evil curse touches you. Took care of your mum and your dad, and your house even. But it didn't work on you. And that's why you're famous, Harry. No one ever lived after he decided to kill him. No one except you. He'd killed some of the best witches and wizards of the age. The McKinnons, the Bones, the Pruitts. And you was only a baby. And you lived. Something very painful was going on in Harry's mind. As Hagrid's story came to a close, he saw again the blinding flash of green light, more clearly than he had ever remembered it before. And he remembered something else, for the first time in his life. A high, cold, cruel laugh. Hagrid was watching him sadly. I took you from the ruined house myself, on Dumbledore's orders. Brought you to this lot. Here, load of old tosh, said Uncle Vernon. Harry jumped. He had almost forgotten that the Dursleys were there. Uncle Vernon certainly seemed to have gotten back his courage. He was glaring at Hagrid, and his fists were clenched. Now you listen here, boy, he snarled. I accept there's something strange about you. Probably nothing a good beating wouldn't have cured. And for all this about your parents, well, they were weirdos. No denying it. And the world's better without them, in my opinion. Asked for all that they got, getting mixed up with these wizarding types. Just what I expected, always knew they'd come to a sticky end. But at that moment, Hagrid leapt from the sofa and drew a battered pink umbrella from inside his coat. Pointing this at Uncle Vernon like a sword, he said, I'm warning you, Dursley. I'm warning you. One more word. In danger of being speared on the end of an umbrella by a bearded giant, Uncle Vernon's courage failed him again. He flattened himself against the wall and fell silent. That's better, said Hagrid, breathing heavily and sitting back down on the sofa, which this time sagged right down to the floor. Harry, meanwhile, still had questions to ask, hundreds of them. But what happened to Vol- Sorry, I mean, you know who? Good question, Harry. He disappeared. Vanished. Same night he tried to kill you. Makes you even more famous. That's the biggest mystery, see? He was getting more and more powerful. Why'd he go? Uh, some say that he died. Godswallop, in my opinion. Don't know if he had enough human left in him. Don't know if he had enough human left in him to die. Some stays still out there, biding his time. Hmm. I don't believe it. People who was on his side came back to ours. Some of them came out of kind of trances. Don't reckon they could have done that if he was coming back. Most of us reckon he's still out there somewhere, but 
He's lost his powers. Too weak to carry on. Because something about you finished him, Harry. There was something going on that night he hadn't counted on. I don't know what it was. No one does. But something about you stumped him, all right. Hagrid looked at Harry with warmth and respect blazing in his eyes. But Harry, instead of feeling pleased and proud, felt quite sure there had been some horrible mistake. A wizard? Him? How could he possibly be? He'd spent his life being clouded by Dudley and bullied by Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon. He was really a wizard. Why hadn't they been turned into warty toads every time he'd been locked in his cupboard? If he'd once defeated the greatest sorcerer in the world, how come Dudley had always been able to kick him around like a football? Hagrid, he said quietly, I think you must have made a mistake. I don't think I can be a wizard. To his surprise, Hagrid chuckled. Not a wizard, eh? Never made things happen when you was scared or angry. Harry looked into the fire. Now that he came to think about it, every odd thing that had ever made his aunt and uncle furious with him had happened when he, Harry, had been upset or angry. Chased by Dudley's gang, he had somehow found himself out of their reach. Dreading going to school with that ridiculous haircut, he'd managed to make it grow back. And the very last time Dudley had hit him, hadn't he got his revenge without even realizing he was doing it? Hadn't he set a boa constrictor on him? Harry looked back at Hagrid, smiling, and saw that Hagrid was positively beaming at him. See, said Hagrid, Harry Potter, not a wizard. <laughs> you wait, you'll be right famous at Hogwarts. But Uncle Vernon wasn't going to give in without a fight. Haven't I told you he's not going? He hissed. He's going to Stonewall High and he'll be grateful for it. I've read those letters and he needs all sorts of rubbish with, with spell books and wands and... Uh, if he wants to go, a great muggle like you won't stop him, growled Hagrid. Stop Lily and James Potter's son going to Hogwarts. You're mad. His name's been down ever since he was born. He's off to the finest school of witchcraft and wizardry in the world. Seven years there and he won't know himself. He'll be with the youngsters of his own sort for a change. And will be under the greatest headmaster Hogwarts ever had, Albus Dumbledore. I am not paying for some crackpot old fool to teach him magic tricks, yelled Uncle Vernon. But he had finally gone too far. Hagrid seized his umbrella and whirled it over his head. Never, he thundered, insult Albus Dumbledore in front of me. He brought the umbrella swishing down through the air to point at Dudley. There was a flash of violet light, a sound like a firecracker, a sharp squeal, and the next second, Dudley was dancing on the spot, with his hands clasped over his fat bottom, howling in pain. When he turned his back on them, Harry saw a curly pig's tail poking through a hole in his trousers. Uncle Vernon roared. Pulling Aunt Petunia and Dudley into the other room, he cast one last terrified look at Hagrid and slammed the door behind them. Hagrid looked down at his umbrella and stroked his beard. Uh, I, I shouldn't have lost my temper, he said ruefully. But it didn't work anyway. I meant to turn him into a pig, but I suppose he was so much like a pig anyway, wasn't much left to do. He cast a sideways look at Harry under his bushy eyebrows. Uh, 
it'd be grateful if you didn't mention that to anyone at Hogwarts, he said. I'm uh, not supposed to do magic, strictly speaking. I was allowed to do a bit to follow you and get your letters to you and stuff. One of the reasons I was so keen to take on the job. Why aren't you supposed to do magic? asked Harry. Well, oh, I, I was at Hogwarts myself, but I uh, got expelled, to tell you the truth. In my third year, they snapped me wand and half and everything. But Dumbledore let me stay on as gamekeeper. Great man, Dumbledore. Why were you expelled? It's getting late and we've got uh, lots to do tomorrow, said Hagrid loudly. Got to get up to town, get your books and all that. He took off his thick black coat and threw it to Harry. You can kip under that, he said. Don't mind if it wriggles a bit, I think I still got a couple of dormice in one of the pockets. That is the end of chapter four. For any Americans in the group, kip means nap. You can take a nap under that. And I just want to talk for a second. He says he's going to be, uh, Hagrid says he's going to be with youngsters of his own sort for a change. I think anybody who has spent time feeling out of place, and let's be honest, anybody who's been in middle school has spent time feeling out of place. Just imagine feeling like that for such a long time. And suddenly, you're sent off to be with people who are like you. Imagine suddenly there's a whole place for people who are, uh, you know, who are similar to you and who you can feel some sort of connection with. Harry's not there yet, but he's going to be. I imagine that has got to be incredibly exciting. Rachel, Hannah, Jamal, thank you all for joining me. Anybody else who might be lurking, I don't think my number's incredibly accurate, but um, thank you all for coming into the stream. And uh, is there anything you guys would like to talk about? I'd like to uh, take some of this time between chapters to talk over the things that, uh, that we learned here. I'm going to take a second and try to make my teeth uh, less weird and sparkly, because it's getting picked up on my green screen. So if you guys want to jump into chat with anything... Let's see. Okay, I might go weird here for a second. If I do, just uh, bear with me. There's my there's my screen. Surprise. Okay. Let's do. <laughs> this is so strange. I'm just looking at my own teeth and smiling, uh, trying to get them. Not to be so weird. All right. I think that'll work. Hannah, I'm definitely going to do more. I think I've got one more chapter tonight. Uh, chapters, chapter four isn't particularly long, the one that we just did, but chapter five is a long one. And so I think tonight's going to be a two-chapter night. So the parents actually did get blown up, Rachel asked. And yeah, based on everything we've heard so far, it would seem 
um, that they did indeed. That's what we know about. We talked a little bit last time about, you know, how tough it would be to be somebody who didn't really know your parents, somebody who um, either is a child of adoption or, um, you know, any one of a any one of those situations where you don't really know about who you are or where you might have come from, and it's got to be tough to decide whether or not that's even important to you. You know, trying to decide do I do I take the time, do I make all the effort to try and learn about these things about where I came from, or do I take my new life and try to make as much make my make my life as much about the things that are here and now as I can. Rachel asks, by who? <clears throat> by this uh, mysterious dark wizard, Voldemort. He who must not be named. Came to the house. Tried to kill Harry's parents. Succeeded. Tried to kill Harry and failed, which is a mystery because he is kind of the equivalent of... Hmm... I don't know. He he's he's a bit of a terrorist, if we're honest. You know, coming to people's homes and and doing these things. But uh, it sounded like he was gaining power and he was a powerful individual. So I don't know of a great comparison to make. Um, but uh, gotta be a hard thing to have in your history. <clears throat> Anything that you in a situation like this. It just gives you a whole lot of questions that I, you know, as a kid didn't have to deal with. I'm trying to think of who I was going to be, what I was going to make my life about. Alright. I'm going to take a quick break, go use the restroom, that sort of thing, and I will be right back for chapter 5, which is... Let's see. Chapter 5 is... Diagon Alley. We're going to Diagon Alley. For anybody who's interested in, I don't know, writing or world building or anything like that, um, it's fantastic. Some fantastic world building stuff happens in these uh, young adult stories, which is the genre that Harry Potter is in. Um, Diagon Alley is some fantastic world building. We get to see so much of the wizarding world all at once. It's amazing. Uh, Rachel asks, do people think that saying his name will like summon him? And I think, I don't think they think it will summon him. I think, I think they fear the concept of him. And Dumbledore in chapter one, um, we get a little brief look at him. We don't really know much about him other than that he's old, he's powerful, he's the headmaster of Hogwarts, and um, that he felt some responsibility for Harry. Um, he talks a little bit about saying his name, or, you know, saying Voldemort versus calling him you-know-who, or he who must not be named. Um, there's no explicit magical curse, you know, explicit... Uh, it doesn't say anywhere in the book that cursed and that if you say his name he'll appear um, I think it's the fear of the idea of him of somebody who has so much power 
and who's gone so evil? We learn about it a little more in some of the later books. And Rachel also asked, uh, I, I know there's a bit of a delay. It's, it's to help smooth out the stream a little bit. In an ideal world, I would have better upload speed, and uh, I wouldn't need to put a delay on. Um, but for right now, this is working. We're working with what we've got, and it's, it's working great for me. Um, um, Rachel asks, why was he trying to kill Harry? It's a bit of a mystery. Um, Hagrid talked about that specifically. He says he doesn't know why Voldemort involved Harry at all. You know, it seemed like it, uh, you know, maybe Voldemort at that time in his, his, uh, reign of terror just liked killing maybe. Maybe he, uh, Hagrid said maybe he just wanted to make a clean job of it. You know, just clean up, kill anybody who was there. That, I think, is one of the darker options. Although, I guess the fact that, you know, somebody who's very powerful would just enjoy killing, that's that's pretty dark as well. But it's not really clear. It's not clear why Voldemort would go after this one-year-old baby boy. He's very strange. All right. It's time for a break. Wonderful people, we are back. I am going to continue on with Chapter 5, Diagon Alley. First, um, I'm going to cover the remaining questions in the chat. Um, Rachel asked, what did he have against his parents? Uh, Voldemort probably... Um, there was some mystery surrounding that as well. Hagrid talked about... Um, Harry's parents being powerful wizards, um, not necessarily the most powerful, but it did sound like they were very good. Which, in a battle, in a, uh, a decision between powerful and good, I think good is the right answer. Um, but uh, it's not very clear. There's a lot of mystery right now. I think a lot of books um, like this, um, a lot of books, period, start with a lot of mystery. And. You know, we get to witness some very interesting events, but we don't know a lot about them, and we slowly learn about them over time. In this case, this particular event, we're going to be very, very slowly learning about the night that Harry's parents died over the course of all the books. I don't think we know the full story on it until, um, boy, much further into the series. Uh, Rachel also asked, were Harry's parents some of the most powerful wizards? Um, I think I kind of covered that, but uh, it sounds like they were less powerful, more good. Anyway, they were on the right side. All right. Um, I think it would be appropriate between chapters to do a quick summary of the previous chapter, what's happened so far on the stream. I'm not going to go back over what happened in the last stream. You can, uh, you know, hopefully rewind to the start of this stream for that summary. But in the last chapter, um, the mysterious stranger outside the hut, where Harry is currently being hidden by his aunt and uncle, a uh, mysterious stranger comes in. It's a very large man named Hagrid, and he has been telling Harry a lot about his history. Um, Hagrid has told Harry that Harry is, in fact, a wizard. It's an iconic line. Uh, <laughs> You're a wizard, Harry. Um, 
Although, the line is actually, Harry, you're a wizard? No matter. Anyhow, um, so Harry has found out a lot about himself. He's found out that he is a wizard, that his parents did not die in a car crash, as he had always been told, but were killed by a powerful dark wizard named Voldemort. He doesn't learn a lot about Voldemort, because it sounds like there's not a lot to be known. He was kind of a mysterious individual. Um, but Hagrid tells him that Harry uh, tells Harry that he's going to be attending a school for witchcraft and wizardry called Hogwarts. Hagrid is very fond of Hogwarts. He calls it the finest school anywhere. Um, but we find out that basically Harry's life is going to change quite a bit. He's going to be with some people a little bit more like himself, which, as I talked about before, must be a heck of a feeling. All right. We are going to go into Chapter 5 now. Thank you for everyone watching. You're wonderful people. And um, when we're done here, I'm going to try to remember to mention it again at the end of the stream, but when we're done here... Feel free to move the discussion over to Instagram. I'm going to put up a, a picture and we can all uh, move the discussion into sort of the, the comments for that photo. Um, on Instagram, it is Sidecar Stories. Uh, no underscores, no periods, any of that. Just Sidecar Stories. And yeah, hopefully I will be able to continue talking to you then after the stream is over. All right. Chapter 5, Diagon Alley Harry woke early the next morning. Although he could tell it was daylight, he kept his eyes shut tight. It was a dream, he told himself firmly. I dreamed a giant called Hagrid came to tell me I was going to school for wizards. When I open my eyes, I'll be at home in my cupboard. There was suddenly a loud tapping noise. And there's Aunt Petunia knocking on the door, Harry thought, his heart sinking. But he still didn't open his eyes. It had been such a good dream. Tap, tap, tap. All right, Harry mumbled. I'm getting up. He sat up and Hagrid's heavy coat fell off of him. The hut was full of sunlight. The storm was over. Hagrid himself was asleep on the collapsed sofa and there was an owl wrapping its claw on the window, a newspaper held in its beak. Harry scrambled to his feet, so happy he felt as though a large balloon had swelled inside him. He went straight to the window and jerked it open. The owl swooped in and dropped the newspaper on top of Hagrid, who didn't wake up. The owl then fluttered onto the floor and began attacking Hagrid's coat. Don't do that! Harry tried to wave the owl out of the way, but it snapped its beak fiercely at him and carried on savaging the coke. The coke. The coat. Hagrid, said Harry loudly. There's an owl. Pay him, Hagrid grunted into the sofa. What? He wants paying for delivering the paper. Uh, look in the pockets. Hagrid's coat seemed to be made of nothing but pockets. Bunches of keys, slug pellets, balls of string, peppermint humbugs, tea bags. Finally, Harry pulled out a fistful of strange-looking coins. Uh, by the way, chat, what on earth is a slug pellet? 
Give him five nuts, said Hagrid sleepily. That is, nuts spelled capital K-N-U-T-S. Nuts? The little bronze ones. Harry counted out five little bronze coins, and the owl held out his legs so that Harry could put the money into a small leather pouch tied to it. He then flew off through the open window. Hagrid yawned loudly, sat up, and stretched. Something on, something going on outside my window. Uh, best be off, Harry. Lots to do today. Got to get up to London and buy all your stuff for school. Hagrid was turning over the wizard coins and looking at them. He had just thought of something that made him feel as though the happy balloon inside him had got a puncture. Um, Hagrid? Hmm, said Hagrid, who was pulling on his huge boots. I haven't got any money. You heard Uncle Vernon last night. He won't pay for me to go and learn magic. Don't worry about that, said Hagrid, standing up and scratching his head. You think your parents wouldn't leave you anything? But if the house was destroyed... They didn't keep their gold in the house, boy. Nah, first stop for us is Gringotts. Wizard Bank. Have a sausage. They're not bad cold. And I wouldn't say no to a bit of your chocolate cake, either. Wizards have banks? Just the one. Gringotts. Run by goblins. Harry dropped a bit of sausage he was holding. Goblins? Yeah, so you'd be mad to try and rub it, I'll tell you that. Yeah, Jamal, I am—I have no idea what a slug pellet is. Maybe we'll find out later. Probably not. I've read through these books a couple of times now. Never mess with goblins, Harry. Gringotts is the safest place in the world for anything you want to keep safe. Except maybe Hogwarts. Matter of fact, I go to visit Gringotts anyway. For Dumbledore. Hogwarts business. Hagrid drew himself up proudly. He usually sends me to do uh, important stuff for him. Fetching you, getting things from Gringotts. Knows he can trust me, see? Uh, got everything? All right, come on then. Harry followed Hagrid out onto the rock. The sky was quite clear now and the sea gleamed in the sunlight. The boat Uncle Vernon had hired was still there, with a lot of water in the bottom after the storm. How did you get here? Harry asked, looking around for another boat. Flew, said Hagrid. Flew? Yeah, but we'll go back in this. Not supposed to use magic now that I've got you. They settled down in the boat, Harry still staring at Hagrid, trying to imagine him flying. It seems like a shame to row, though, said Hagrid, giving Harry another one of his sideways looks. If I was to, uh... Speed things up a bit. Would you mind not mentioning it at Hogwarts? Of course not, said Harry, eager to see more magic. Haggard pulled out the pink umbrella again, tapped it twice on the side of the boat, and they sped off toward land. Why would you be mad to try and rob Gringotts? Harry asked. Spells. Enchantments, said Hagrid, unfolding his newspaper as he spoke. They say there's dragons guarding the high-security vaults. Then you gotta find your way. Gringotts is hundreds of miles under London, see? Deep under the underground. The underground is the name of the, uh, subway system in London. You'd die of hunger trying to get out, even if you did manage to get your hands on something. 
Harry sat and thought about this while Hagrid read his newspaper, The Daily Prophet. Harry had learned from Uncle Vernon that people liked to be left alone when they did this, but it was very difficult. He'd never had so many questions in his life. Uh, Ministry of Magic messing things up as usual, Hagrid muttered, turning the page. As a Ministry of Magic? Harry asked, before he could stop himself. Of course, said Hagrid. He wanted Dumbledore for minister, of course, but he'd never leave Hogwarts. So, old Cornelius Fudge got the job. Bungler if there ever was one. So he pelts Dumbledore with owls every morning, asking for advice. But what does a Ministry of Magic do? Well, their main job is to keep it from the muggles that there's still witches and wizards up and down the country. Why? Why? <laughs> Blimey, Harry. Everyone be wanting magic solutions to their problems. Eh, we're best left alone. At this moment, the boat bumped gently into the harbor wall. Hagrid folded up his newspaper, and they clambered up the stone steps onto the street. Be on the lookout for that phrase, by the way, stone steps. She says it an awful lot in these books. She being J.K. Rowling, the author. Passersby stared a lot at Hagrid as they walked through the little town to the station. Harry couldn't blame them. Not only was Hagrid twice as tall as anyone else, but he kept pointing at perfectly ordinary things like parking meters and saying loudly, See that, Harry? Things these muggles dream up, eh? Hagrid, said Harry, panting a bit as he ran to keep up. Didn't you say there are dragons at Gringotts? Well, so they say, said Hagrid. Crikey, I'd like to see a dragon. I'd like a dragon. You'd like one? Wanted one ever since I was a kid. Ah, here we go. They had reached the station. There was a train to London in five minutes' time. Hagrid, who didn't understand muggle money, as he called it, gave the bills to Harry so that he could buy their tickets. People stared more than ever on the train. Hagrid took up two seats and sat knitting what looked like a canary-yellow circus tent. "'Still got your letter, Harry?' he asked as he counted stitches. Harry took the parchment envelope out of his pocket. "'Good,' said Hagrid. "'There's a list there of everything you're going to need.' Harry unfolded a second piece of paper he hadn't noticed the night before, and read, "'Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Uniform. First-year students will require... One, three sets of plain work robes, black. Two, one plain pointed hat, black, for day wear. Three, one pair of protective gloves, dragon hide or similar. And four, one winter cloak, black, silver fastenings. Please note that all pupils' clothes should carry name tags. Course books. All students should have a copy of each of the following. The Standard Book of Spells, Grade 1, by Miranda Goshawk. A History of Magic by Batilde Bagshot. Magical Theory by Adelbert Waffling. A Beginner's Guide to Transfiguration by Emmerich Switch. One Thousand Magical Herbs and Fungi by Phyllida Spore. Magical Draughts and Potions by Arsenius Jigger. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them by Newt Scamander. The Dark Forces, A Guide to Self-Protection by Quentin Trimble. Other Equipment, One Wand... One cauldron, pewter, standard size 2. One set glass or crystal files. That's P 
P-H-I-A-L-S, not like nail files. One telescope, one set brass scales. Students may also bring an owl or a cat or a toad. Parents are reminded that first years are not allowed their own broomsticks. Can we buy all this in London? Harry wondered aloud. If you know where to go, said Hagrid. Harry had never been to London before. Although Hagrid seemed to know where he was going, he was obviously not used to getting there in an ordinary way. He got stuck on the ticket barrier in the underground and complained loudly that the seats were too small and the trains were too slow. I don't know how muggles manage without magic, he said as they climbed a broken-down escalator that led up to the bustling road lined with shops. Hagrid was so huge he parted the crowd easily. All Harry had to do was keep close behind him. They passed bookshops and music stores, hamburger restaurants and cinemas, but nowhere that looked as though it would sell you a magic wand. This was just an ordinary street, full of ordinary people. Could there really be piles of wizard gold buried miles beneath them? Were there really shops that sold spells? And books and broomsticks? Might this not all be some huge joke that the Dursleys had cooked up? If Harry hadn't known that the Dursleys had no sense of humor, he might have thought so, yet somehow, even though everything Hagrid had told him so far was unbelievable, Harry couldn't help trusting him. This is it, said Hagrid, coming to a halt. The Leaky Cauldron. It's a famous place. It was a tiny, grubby-looking pub. If Hagrid hadn't pointed it out, Harry wouldn't have noticed it was there. The people hurrying by didn't glance at it. Their eyes slid from the big bookshop on one side to the record shop on the other, as if they couldn't see the leaky cauldron at all. In fact, Harry had the most peculiar feeling that only he and Hagrid could see it. Before he could mention this, Hagrid had steered him inside. For a famous place, it was very dark and shabby. A few old women were sitting in a corner, drinking tiny glasses of sherry. One of them was smoking a long pipe. A little man in a top hat was talking to the old bartender, who was quite bald and looked like a toothless walnut. The low buzz of chatter stopped when they walked in. Everyone seemed to know Hagrid. They waved and smiled at him, and the bartender reached for a glass, saying, The usual, Hagrid. I caught Tom. I'm on Hogwarts business, said Hagrid clapping his great hand on Harry's shoulder and making Harry's knees buckle. "'Good Lord,' said the bartender, peering at Harry. "'Is this... can this be?' The leaky cauldron had suddenly gone completely still and silent. "'Bless my soul,' whispered the old bartender. "'Harry Potter. What an honor!' He hurried out from behind the bar, rushed toward Harry, and seized his hand, tears in his eyes. "'Welcome back, Mr. Potter. Welcome back!' Harry didn't know what to say. Everyone was looking at him. The old woman with the pipe was puffing on it without realizing it had gone out. Hagrid was beaming. Then there was a great scraping of chairs, and the next moment Harry found himself shaking hands with everyone in the leaky cauldron. Doris Crockford, Mr. Potter, I can't believe I'm meeting you at last. So proud, Mr. Potter, I'm just so proud. Always wanted to shake your hand, I'm all of a flutter. 
Delighted, Mr. Potter. Just can't tell you. Diggle's the name. Daedalus Diggle. I've seen you before, said Harry, as Daedalus Diggle's top hat fell off in his fell off in his excitement. You bowed to me once in a shop. He remembers, cried Daedalus Diggle, looking around at everyone. You hear that? He remembers me. Harry shook hands again and again. Doris Crockford kept coming back for more. A pale young man made his way forward, very nervously. One of his eyes was twitching. Professor Quirrell, said Hagrid. Harry, Professor Quirrell will be one of your teachers at Hogwarts. Potter, stammered Professor Quirrell, grasping Harry's hand. I can't tell you how pleased I am to meet you. What sort of magic do you teach, Professor Quirrell? Defense against the dark arts, muttered Professor Quirrell, as though he'd rather not think about it. Not that you need it, eh, Potter? He laughed nervously. You'll be getting all of your equipment, I suppose. I've got to pick up a new book on vampires myself. He looked terrified at the very thought. But the others wouldn't let Professor Quirrell keep Harry to himself. It took almost ten minutes to get away from them all. At last, Hagrid managed to make himself heard over the babble. All right, must get on. Lots to buy. Come on, Harry. Doris Crockford shook Harry's hand one last time, and Hagrid led them through the bar and out into a small, walled courtyard, where there was nothing but a trash can and a few weeds. Hagrid grinned at Harry. I told you, didn't I? I told you you was famous. Even Professor Quirrell was trembling to meet you. Uh, mind you, he's usually trembling. Is he always that nervous? Oh, yeah. Poor bloke. Brilliant mind. He was fine while he was studying out of books, but then he took a year off to get some first-hand experience. They say he met vampires in the Black Forest. There was a nasty bit of trouble with a hag. Never been the same since. Scared of the student, scared of his own subject. Now, uh, where's my umbrella? Vampires? Hags? Harry's head was swimming. Hagrid, meanwhile, was counting bricks in the wall above the trash can. Three up. Right, uh, two across, he muttered. Uh, right, stand back, Harry. He tapped the wall three times with the point of his umbrella. The brick he had touched quivered. It wriggled. In the middle, a small hole appeared. It grew wider and wider. A second later, they were facing a large archway. Large enough even for Hagrid, an archway onto a cobbled street that twisted and turned out of sight. Welcome, said Hagrid. The Diagon Alley. He grinned at Harry's amazement. They stepped through the archway. Harry looked quickly over his shoulder and saw the archway shrink instantly back into solid wall. The sun shone brightly on a stack of cauldrons outside the nearest shop. Cauldrons, all sizes. Copper, brass, pewter, silver, self-stirring, collapsible, said a sign hanging over them. Yep, you'll be needing one, said Hagrid. But we gotta get your money first. Harry wished he had about eight more eyes. He turned his head in every direction as they walked up the street, trying to look at everything at once. The shops, the things outside them, the people doing their shopping. A plump woman outside an apothecary was shaking her head as they passed, saying, Dragon liver, sixteen sickles an ounce, they're mad. 
an apothecary was a uh, a long time ago the term apothecary meant a place where you would go and get chemicals uh, today the closest equivalent is probably a pharmacy a low soft hooting came from a dark shop with a sign saying elops owl emporium tawny screech barn brown and snowy Several boys of about Harry's age had their noses pressed up against the window with broomsticks in it. Look, Harry heard one of them say, the new Nimbus 2000, fast as ever. There were shops selling robes, shops selling telescopes and strange silver instruments Harry had never seen before, windows stacked with barrels of bat spleens and eel's eyes, tottering piles of spell books, quills and rolls of parchment, potion bottles, globes of the moon, Gringotts, said Harry. Nope, said Hagrid. They had reached a snowy white building that towered over the other little shops. Standing beside its burnished bronze doors, wearing a uniform of scarlet and gold, was... Yep, that's a goblin, said Hagrid quietly as they walked up the white stone steps toward him. The goblin was about a head shorter than Harry. He had a swarthy, clever face and a pointed beard, and, Harry noticed very long fingers and feet. He bowed as they walked inside. Now they were facing a second pair of doors, silver this time, with words engraved upon them. Enter, stranger, but take heed of what awaits the sin of greed. For those who take but do not earn must pay most dearly in their turn. So if you seek beneath our floors a treasure that was never yours, thief you have been warned, beware, of finding more than treasure there. Like I said... You'd be mad to try and rob it, said Hagrid. A pair of goblins bowed them through the silver doors, and they were in a vast marble hall. About a hundred more goblins were sitting on high stools around a long counter, scribbling in large ledgers, weighing coins in brass scales, examining precious stones through eyeglasses. There were too many doors to count leading off the hall, and yet more goblins were showing people in and out of these, Hagrid and Harry made for the counter. "'Morning,' said Hagrid to a free goblin. "'We've come to take some money out of Mr. Potter's safe.' "'Have you his key, sir?' "'I uh, go to here somewhere,' said Hagrid, and he started emptying his pockets onto the counter, scattering a handful of moldy dog biscuits over the goblin's book of numbers. The goblin wrinkled his nose, Harry watched the goblin on their right, weighing a pile of rubies as big as glowing coals. "'I got it,' said Hagrid at last, holding up a tiny golden key. The goblin looked at it closely. "'That seems to be in order.' "'And I've uh, got a letter here from Professor Dumbledore,' said Hagrid importantly, throwing out his chest. "'It's about the you-know-what in Vault 713.' The goblin read the letter carefully. Very well, he said, handing it back to Hagrid. I will have someone take you down to both vaults. Griphook. Griphook was yet another goblin. Once Hagrid had crammed all the dog biscuits back inside his pockets, he and Harry followed Griphook toward one of the doors leading off the hall. What's the you-know-what in Vault 713? Harry asked. I can't tell you that, said Hagrid mysteriously. Very secret. Hogwarts business. Dumbledore's trusted me. Or my job's worth to tell you that. Griphook held the door open for them. Harry, who had expected more marble, was surprised. 
They were in a narrow stone passageway lit with flaming torches. It sloped steeply downward, and there was a little railway track on the floor. Griphook whistled, and a small cart came hurtling up the track toward them. They climbed in, haggard with some difficulty, and were off. At first, they just hurtled through a maze of twisting passages. Harry tried to remember left, right, right, left, middle fork, right, left, but it was impossible. The rattling cart seemed to know its own way because Griphook wasn't steering. Harry's eyes stung as the cold air rushed past them, but he kept them wide open. Once he thought he saw a burst of fire at the end of a passage and twisted around to see if it was a dragon, but too late. They plunged even deeper, passing an underground lake where huge stalactites and stalagmites grew from the ceiling and the floor. I never knew, Harry called out to Hagrid. Excuse me. I never knew, Harry called out to Hagrid over the noise of the cart. What's the difference between a stalagmite and a stalactite? Stalagmite's got an M in it, said Hagrid. And don't ask me questions just now, I think I'm going to be sick. He did look very green, and when the cart stopped at last beside a small door in the passage wall, Hagrid got out and had to lean against the wall to stop his knees from trembling. Griphook unlocked the door. A lot of green smoke came billowing out, and as it cleared, Harry gasped. Inside were mounds of gold coins. Columns of silver. Heaps of little bronze nuts. All yours, smiled Hagrid. All Harry's. It was incredible. The Dursleys couldn't have known about this, or they'd have had it from him faster than blinking. How often had they complained about how much Harry cost them to keep? And all the time there had been a small fortune belonging to him, buried deep under London. Hagrid helped Harry pile some of it into a bag. The gold ones are galleons, he explained. Seventeen silver sickles to a galleon, and twenty-nine nuts to a sickle. It's easy enough. Right, that should be enough for a couple of terms. We'll keep it safe for you. The rest will stay in here. He turned to Griphook. Bolt 713 now, please. And can we go a bit more slowly? One speed only, said Griphook. Here we have another British term. Uh, the term is, in fact, term. Uh, he says it should be enough for a couple of terms. A term is like a semester, basically. They were going even deeper now and gathering speed. The air became colder and colder as they hurtled around tight corners. They went rattling over an underground ravine, and Harry leaned over the side to try and see what was down in the dark bottom. But Hagrid groaned and pulled him back by the scruff of his neck. Vault 713 had no keyhole. Stand back, said Griphook importantly. He stroked the door gently with one of his long fingers, and it simply melted away. If anyone but a Gringotts goblin tried that, They'd be sucked through the door and trapped in there, said Griphook. How often do you check to see if anyone's inside? Harry asked. About once every ten years, said Griphook with a rather nasty grin. Something really ins Something really extraordinary had to be inside this top security vault, Harry was sure, and as he leaned forward eagerly, expecting to see fabulous jewels at the very least, at first, he thought it was empty. Then he noticed a grubby little package wrapped up in brown paper lying on the floor. 
Hagrid picked it up and tucked it deep inside his coat. Harry longed to know what it was, but knew better than to ask. Come on, back in this infernal cart and don't talk to me on the way back. It's best if I keep my mouth shut, said Hagrid. One wild cart ride later, they stood blinking in the sunlight outside Gringotts. Harry didn't know where to run first now that he had a bag full of money. He didn't have to know how many galleons there were to a pound to know that he was holding more money than he'd ever had in his whole life. More money even than Dudley had ever had. Might as well get your uniform, said Hagrid, nodding toward Madame Malkin's robes for all occasions. Listen, Harry, would you mind if I slipped off for a pick-me-up at the Leaky Cauldron? I hate them Gringotts carts. He did still look a bit sick, so Harry entered Madame Malkin's shop alone, feeling nervous. Madame Malkin was a squat, smiling witch dressed in all mauve, Hogwarts, dear, she said, when Harry started to speak. I've got the lot up here. Another young man being fitted just now. In fact, in the back of the shop, a boy with a pale pointed face was standing on a footstool, while a second witch pinned up his long black robes. Madame Malkin stood Harry on a stool next to him, slipped a long robe over his head and began to pin the right and began to pin it to the right length. Hello, said the boy. Hog wants too. Yes, said Harry. My father's next door buying my books, and mother's up the street looking at wands, said the boy. He had a bored, drawling voice. Then I'm going to drag them off to look at racing brooms. I don't see why first years can't have their own. I think I'll bully father into getting me one. I'll smuggle it in somehow. Harry was strongly reminded of Dudley. Have you got your own broom? The boy went on. No, said Harry. Play Quidditch at all? No, Harry said again, wondering what on earth Quidditch could be. I do. Father says it's a crime if I'm not picked to play for my house, and I must say I agree. Do you know what house you'll be in yet? No, said Harry feeling more stupid by the minute. Well, no one really does until they get there, do they? But I know I'll be in Slytherin. All our family have been. Imagine being Hufflepuff. I think I'd leave, wouldn't you? Mmm, said Harry, wishing he could say something a bit more interesting. I say, look at that man, said the boy suddenly, nodding toward the front window. Hagrid was standing there, grinning at Harry and pointing at two large ice creams to show he couldn't come in. That's Hagrid, said Harry, pleased to know something that the boy didn't. He works at Hogwarts. Oh, said the boy, I've heard of him. He's a sort of servant, isn't he? He's the gameskeeper, said Harry. He was liking the boy less and less every second. Yes, exactly. I heard he's a sort of savage. Lives in a hut and a school grounds, and every now and then he gets drunk and tries to do magic and ends up setting his bed on fire. I think he's brilliant, said Harry coldly. Do you? said the boy with a slight sneer. Why is he with you? Where are your parents? They're dead, said Harry shortly. 
It didn't feel much like going into the matter with this boy. Oh, sorry, said the other, not sounding sorry at all. But they were our kind, weren't they? They were a witch and a wizard, if that's what you mean. I really don't think they should let the other sort in, do you? They're just not the same. They've never been brought up to know our ways. Some of them have never even heard of Hogwarts till they got the letter, I imagine. I think they should keep it in the old wizarding families. What's your surname, anyway? Surname is the same thing as a last name. But before Harry could answer, Madame Malkin said, That's you done, my dear. And Harry, not sorry for an excuse to stop talking to the boy, hopped down from the footstool. Well, I'll see you at Hogwarts, I suppose, said the drawling boy. Harry was rather quiet as he ate his ice cream that Hagrid had brought him. Chocolate and raspberry with chopped nuts. What's up? said Hagrid. Nothing, Harry lied. They stopped to buy parchment and quills. Harry cheered up a bit when he found a bottle of ink that changed color as he wrote. When they left the shop, he said, Hagrid, what's Quidditch? Blimey, Harry. I keep forgetting how little you know. Not knowing about Quidditch. Don't make me feel worse, said Harry. He told Hagrid about the pale boy and Madame Malkins. And he said people from Muggle families shouldn't even be allowed in. You're not from a Muggle family, if you known who you were. He's grown up knowing your name if his parents were wizarding folk. You saw what everyone in the Leaky Cauldron was like when they saw you. Anyway, what does he know about it? Some of the best I ever saw. Or the only ones with magic in them in the whole line. Hmm. Some of the best ones I ever saw were the only ones with magic in them in a whole long line of muggles. Look at your mum. Look what she had for a sister. So what is Quidditch? It's our sport. Wizard sport. It's like... Uh, like soccer in the muggle world. Everyone follows Quidditch. Played up in the air on broomsticks and there's four balls and it's uh, sort of hard to explain the rules. Schoolhouses. There's four. Everyone says Hufflepuff or a load of duffers, but... I bet I'm a Hufflepuff, said Hagrid. Nope, said Harry gloomily. Better Hufflepuff than Slytherin, said Hagrid darkly. There's not a single witcher wizard who went bad that wasn't in Slytherin. You know who was one. Well, sorry, you know who was at Hogwarts? Years and years ago, said Hagrid. They bought Harry's school books in a shop called Flourish and Blots, but the shelves were stacked to the ceiling with books as large as paving stones bound in leather. Books the size of postage stamps and covers of silk. Books full of peculiar symbols and a few books with nothing in them at all. Even Dudley, who never read anything, would have been wild to get his hands on some of these. Hagrid had to drag Harry away from curses and countercurses, bewitch your friends and befuddle your enemies with the latest revenges. Hair loss. Outside the apothecary, Hagrid checked Harry's list again. Just your wand left. Oh yeah, and I still haven't got you a birthday present. Harry felt himself go red. You don't have to. I know I don't have to. I'll tell you what, I'll get your animal. Not a toad. Toads went out of fashion years ago. You'd be laughed at. And I don't like cats. They make me sneeze. I'll get you an owl. All the kids want owls. They're dead useful. Carry your mail and everything. 
Twenty minutes later, they left Elop's Owl Emporium, which had been dark and full of rustling and flickering jewel-bright eyes. Harry now carried a... The last shop was narrow and shabby. Peeling gold letters over the door read, Ollivanders, makers of fine wands since 382 B.C. A single wand lay on a faded purple cushion in the dusty window. A tinkling bell rang somewhere in the depths of the shop as they stepped inside. It was a tiny place, empty except for a single spindly chair, that Hagrid sat on to wait. Harry felt strangely as though he had entered a very strict library. He swallowed a lot of new questions that had just occurred to him and looked instead at the thousands of narrow boxes, piled neatly right up to the ceiling. For some reason, the back of his neck prickled. The very dust and silence in here seemed to tingle with some secret magic. "'Good afternoon,' said a soft voice. Harry jumped. Hagrid must have jumped, too, because there was a loud crunching. And he quickly got off the spindly chair. An old man was standing before them, his wide, pale eyes shining like moons through the gloom of the shop. "'Hello,' said Harry awkwardly. "'Ah, yes.' said the man. Yes, yes. I thought I'd be seeing you soon, Harry Potter. It wasn't a question. You have your mother's eyes. It seems only yesterday she was in here herself, buying her first wand. Ten and a quarter inches long, swishy, made of willow. Nice wand for charm work. Mr. Ollivander moved closer to Harry. Harry wished he would blink. Those silvery eyes were a bit creepy. Your father, on the other hand, favored a mahogany wand. Eleven inches, pliable. A little more power and excellent for transfiguration. Well, I say your father favored it. It's really the wand that chooses the wizard, of course. Mr. Ollivander had come so close that he and Harry were almost nose to nose. Harry could see himself reflected in those misty eyes. And that is where... Mr. Ollivander touched the lightning scar on Harry's forehead with a long white finger. I'm sorry to say I sold the wand that did it, he said softly. Thirteen and a half inches. You. Powerful wand, very powerful. And in the wrong hands. Well, if I'd known what that wand was going to go out into the world to do. He shook his head, and then, to Harry's relief, spotted Hagrid. Rubius. Rubius Hagrid. How nice to see you again. Oak, sixteen inches, rather bendy, wasn't it? It was, sir, yes, said Hagrid. Good wand, that one. "'But I suppose they snapped it in half when you got expelled?' said Mr. Ollivander, suddenly stern. "'Uh, yes, they did, yes,' said Hagrid, shuffling his feet. "'I've still got the pieces, though,' he added brightly. "'But you don't use them?' said Mr. Ollivander sharply. Uh, "'No, sir, no,' said Hagrid quickly. Harry noticed he gripped his pink umbrella very tightly as he spoke. "'Hmm.' said Mr. Ollivander, giving Hagrid a piercing look. Well now, Mr. Potter, let me see. 
he pulled a long tape measure with silver markings out of his pocket. Which is your wand arm? Um, well, I'm... I'm right-handed, said Harry. Hold out your arm. That's it. He measured Harry from shoulder to finger, then wrist to elbow, shoulder to floor, knee to armpit, and round his head. As he measured, he said, Every Ollivander wand has a core of a powerful magical substance, Mr. Potter. We use unicorn hairs, phoenix tail feathers, and the heart strings of dragons. No two Ollivander wands are the same, just as no two unicorns, dragons, or phoenixes are quite the same. And, of course, you will never get such good results another wizard's wand. The pile of tried wands was mounting higher and higher on the spindly chair, but the more wands Mr. Ollivander pulled from the shelves, the happier he seemed to become. Oh, tricky customer, eh? Not to worry, we'll find the perfect match in here somewhere. I wonder now. Yes, why not? Unusual combination. Holly and Phoenix feather. Eleven inches. Nice and supple. Harry took the wand. He felt a sudden warmth in his fingers. He raised the wand above his head, brought it swishing down through the dusty air, and a stream of red and gold sparks shot from the end like a firework, throwing dancing spots of light on the walls. Haggard whooped and clapped, and Mr. Ollivander cried, Oh, bravo! Yes, indeed. Oh, very good. Well, well, well. How curious. How very curious put Hagrid's wand back into its box and wrapped it in brown paper, still muttering, Curious. Curious. I'm sorry, Harry said. But what's curious? Mr. Ollivander fixed Harry with his pale stare. I remember every wand I've ever sold, Mr. Potter. Every single wand. It so happens that the phoenix whose tail feather is in your wand gave another feather. Just one other. It is very curious indeed that you should be destined for this wand when its brother... Why, its brother gave you that scar. Harry swallowed. Yes, thirteen and a half inches. You. Curious indeed how these things happen. The wand chooses the wizard, remember. I think we must expect great things from you, Mr. Potter. After all, he who must not be named did great things. Terrible, yes, but great. Harry shivered. He wasn't sure he liked Mr. Ollivander too much. He paid seven gold galleons for his wand, and Mr. Ollivander bowed them from his shop. It looks like my stream went through a real period of struggle there, so if you need me to go back and reread anything, let me know in the chat. Thank you all for coming. The late afternoon sun hung low in the sky as Harry and Hagrid made their way back down Diagon Alley. Back through the wall. Back through the leaky cauldron, now empty. Harry didn't speak at all as they walked down the road. He didn't even notice how much people were gawking at them on the underground, laden as they were with all their funny-shaped packages with the snowy owl asleep in its cage on Harry's lap. Up another escalator, out into Paddington Station. Harry only realized where they were when Hagrid tapped him on the shoulder. 
Got time for a bite to eat before your train leaves, he said. He bought Harry a hamburger, and they sat down on plastic seats to eat them. Harry kept looking around. Everything looked so strange somehow. Are you all right, Harry? You're very quiet, said Hagrid. Harry wasn't sure he could explain. he just had the best birthday of his life, and yet... He chewed his hamburger, trying to find the words. Everyone thinks I'm special, he said at last. All those people in the Leaky Cauldron, Professor Quirrell, Mr. Ollivander, but I don't know anything about magic at all. How can they expect great things? I'm famous and I can't even remember what I'm famous for. I don't know what happened when Vol- Sorry, when- I mean, the night my parents died. Hagrid leaned across the table. Behind the wild beard and eyebrows, he wore a very kind smile. Don't worry, Harry. You'll learn fast enough. Everyone starts at the beginning at Hogwarts. You'll be just fine. Just be yourself. I know it's hard. You've been singled out, and that's always hard. But you'll have a great time at Hogwarts. I did. Still do, as a matter of fact. Hagrid helped Harry onto the train that would take him back to the Dursleys, then handed him an envelope. Your ticket for Hogwarts, he said. First of September. King's Cross. It's all on your ticket. Any problems with the Dursleys? Send me an owl. She'll know where to find me. See you soon, Harry. The train pulled out of the station. Harry wanted to watch Hagrid until he was out of sight. He rose in his seat and pressed his nose against the window. But he blinked, and Hagrid was gone. And that, the end of Chapter 5, Diagon Alley. All right, come back and join me in the library. There we are. Thank you all for joining me. You're all wonderful people. Um, if you're looking for a summary of that chapter, you are going to have to wait until the next stream. However, if you want to keep discussing what happened, uh, I'm going to be putting up my Instagram post in just a moment. And I would encourage you to join me there. On Instagram, I am Sidecar Stories. No underscores, no dashes, none of that. Just Sidecar Stories. And I would love to continue this conversation after the stream is over. But first, anyone in chat with anything to discuss? Hopefully the stream went pretty well. Well, we've talked about, uh, you know, what it would be like to suddenly find yourself with a place to call home. You know, you've had a place that you've been calling home with a family who didn't really care so much for you and then suddenly you've got this place to go that's gonna be for people like you and that's gotta be a heck of a feeling. Um, but now, you find out you've also got a decent bit of money. That's gonna be a heck of a feeling too. But I do imagine it might even be, you know, even even for people who have lived with, I'll call it moderate means, 
uh, you know, even people who've grown up without a lot of money, I think it's possible that an introduction to an entire world of magic might dwarf even that discovery. It's been an exciting day for Harry Potter. He's had a heck of a birthday. We've talked about that. Um, Hannah's asking, how did they get into the middle of the ocean? Um, back in the, let's see, it would have been chapter three. Um, Harry was getting a whole bunch of letters by Owl. Uh, it started with one, and Mr. Dursley wouldn't let him read it. So somebody sent two more, and they seemed to know where he was, and they seemed to know that he wasn't getting his letters because they just kept sending them. So finally, after about a week of trying to board up the board up the windows and the doors where people kept, you know, the, the letters kept slipping through. Uh, finally, Uncle Vernon just packed up the whole family and took them away because he was going crazy trying to prevent Harry from getting these letters. And that whole time, we didn't know what was in the letters, making the mystery even more drastic. So he takes them out to a hotel, and the hotel's getting the letters now for Harry, and uh, takes them to, um, you know, out into the middle of a let's see where did they go went out to the middle of a field and then turned around and kept going and then went to you know the a street like an empty lot in a big city and then mr vernon or mr dursley got out as harry's uncle and looked around got back in drove off again and eventually in his madness he settled on the hut on the rock which is just a shack on a rock and he paid some creepy old boatman creepy old fisherman or something to um uh, lend a boat for them to get out. And it was a rowboat and they rowed out to this island and Mr. Dursley finally thinks he's going to prevent Harry from getting any one of these letters and lo and behold Hagrid shows up. So that's how they got there. And uh, yeah, Hagrid shows up and gives Harry the best birthday he's ever had in his life. I think when I was, when I was younger, birthdays stopped being such a big deal for me. Um... And uh, only recently, only in my past, in my recent couple of birthdays, um, I've started to find out that uh, as you get older, you tend to start to celebrate them for yourself. And uh, what's really great is when you've got people who really care for you and they, they do uh, fun things and it's fantastic just to, um, I don't know, get together. Birthdays change a bit when you get older. Is there anything else you would like to discuss? It's been an exciting chapter. We've learned a whole lot about the wizarding world. Of course, if I've got anybody here now that I don't know, you're probably dropping in after the Super Bowl. And I'm not going to ask how the Super Bowl went. That's not what this is about. We're not here for the Super Bowl. We're here for the magical world of Harry Potter. As provided to us by J.K. Rowling. Thank you all for coming. I am about ready to wrap up the stream. So, like I said, let's keep this conversation going. I will be uh, rolling deep in the comments of the, uh, the, the thread that I put up. Um, it's just going to be discussion on my Instagram at Sidecar Stories. Thank you all very much for watching. You are wonderful people. And I will see you all later. Good night.